It's England. It's USA. It's Iran. And it's Wales. It's Group B. And it's the 2002 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. It's the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. Hello, it's the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor. And yeah, we'll be doing a uh, group-by-group preview in this series. Uh, The podcast is looking at Group B of World Cup uh, finals made up of England, USA, Iran, and Wales. Uh, This series will be followed by our next one, which is a team-by-team look at their players. And then shortly before the Cup, we'll be doing another podcast series with final updates uh, on both of these, the teams and the players. So this series features a deep dive into the World Cup Finals history of the teams. For a deeper dive still, you can check out any of the nine podcast series we have done so far, and we'll talk more about that at the end of the podcast. Right, but for this one, uh, we've organized it into three sections that we'll cover in this podcast. So uh, tell us about part one, Connor. So in part one, we begin with a look at who is in the group, uh, which pot they came from, uh, their colors and nickname, and some geographical information about each country, uh, comparing how big each country is in relation to the others in the group. Right, and then part two is the longest section. It's a team-by-team overview, and we'll be giving a quick review of their participation and major achievements, an overview of their World and Regional Cup history, uh, and in this series, a deep dive into their World Cup Finals history. And uh, we'll be giving particular attention to their recent tournaments and games. And then in part three, we end with a summary of each team and a sense of their current form as we head into a comparison of the teams to their FIFA and ELO rankings, head-to-head meetings, and the odds uh, on their success. Uh, That will launch us into discussion of their prospects and our predictions. All right. And then at the end, we'll provide uh, our address and the links uh, so that those who want to delve into more history on the teams can check previous podcasts. And actually, for those who want to delve into less history, we'll be putting together kind of a, a collection of part threes of this podcast for those who just want uh, the uh, last part um, leading into the World Cup. Uh, There is, by the way, a YouTube version of this uh, and a podcast version. So they're actually the same broadcast, but the YouTube version has simple graphics to follow uh, while one listens along. And those also can be found in the show notes. Great. Yeah, I'm wearing, uh, you know, uh, once again, displaying how feeble my uh, international soccer shirt collection is. I can only go with a uh, Cardiff City T-shirt to show my slight bias towards Wales in this podcast. How about you? Well, I'm wearing a a Cardiff City jersey as well, but it's from their red era. So it's a red jersey with a dragon on the crest. So it it is my stand-in for for Wales. Uh, Also, uh, not so, uh, uh, not disguising really my my bias here. That's right. It won't be too obvious in this podcast, but uh, we can't help ourselves. So we might as well just admit it. 
Uh, let's move on to part one, the overview of the four teams. Uh, over to you, Connor. All right. Um, so the part one team in this group is England. Um, they're nicknamed the Three Lions, um, and you'll see them wearing their traditional uh, white kit. Um, the part two team is the United States. Um, their nickname is the Yanks, the Stars and Stripes, um, the red, white, and blue. Um, they also wear white um, with a red and blue trim. Um, the part three team is Iran. Um, interestingly, uh, USA is near the bottom of part two and Iran near the top of part three. Um, so they're actually fairly close. Um, but Iran is a part three team. Uh, their nickname is Team Meli. Uh, which basically means a national team, um, and they traditionally wear red. And then the pot four team is uh, Wales, nicknamed the Dragons, uh, and they also wear red. Yeah, it's a bit of a lighter shade of red than uh, uh, than Iran uh, there, but um, obviously one of them won't be wearing won't be wearing their colours when they play each other. Yeah, and we should mention with with Wales being the pot four team, it, it's kind of a quirk. They're, they're ranked 18th overall in the FIFA rankings, which are, are used to determine the pots, which is slightly below the US um, and slightly ahead of Iran. Um, however, they ended up in pot four kind of by a, a quirk of qualification. Um, their, uh, their games, their playoff games to qualify for the World Cup, um, their, their four-team group included Ukraine. So those games were delayed by a couple months so what they did is they just kind of plunked Wales into pot four as a placeholder. Um, so they're really out of place. They don't really fit where their ranking is. Um, I'll, I'll note that other teams that went through the similar playoff, like Portugal, whose teams weren't delayed, you know, they're put in, in a pot based on their rankings, but Wales isn't. So they're the 18th place team ranked in pot four. So what do you make of that, Kevin? Uh, I think uh, I feel some latent hostility about it from you. And I actually didn't realize that until you pointed it out. But since you have pointed it out, I've been thinking, you know, that kind of makes this uh, a tough group. We have, in effect, a pot one team and then three teams that are pretty close to pot two. Uh, that's got to make it about the toughest group uh, here. Do you think it is? I, I think you can make that argument. I mean, the other pot four teams are ranked 37th and lower. So Wales being 18th, they really stick out. So you're right. They really shouldn't be a pot four team. I haven't actually heard that much commentary on it, um, but I, I think Wales can consider themselves um, aggrieved, I guess, for not being in a in a higher pot. I guess it would have put them only in pot three. But um, yeah, I... Well, you know, Wales and all the other teams too, like it... it, it it means also United States and Iran are not really playing a pop four team. Absolutely. So I, I do think there is some injustice and I think it FIFA kind of did this just because it was convenient and they didn't really know how to handle the situation of Wales game taking place after the draw, but perhaps they should have delayed it because um, it does stick out. Yeah, I think it's a really good point and uh, um I guess I would say that uh, if you're the only one or if our podcast is the only one pointing it out, then good for us, because I think it's a, a significant point. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, um, yeah. we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to a bit of a geographical description of, uh, of each country. All right, so um, beginning with England, 
Um, they're one of the smaller countries or in the smaller half of countries in terms of um, size at 130,000 square kilometers, but they're the eighth largest in terms of population um, of, among teams competing in the World Cup at 56 million people. So I actually didn't realize that they were kind of relatively a large country um, in terms of the population size. Right. But um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, USA next. Um, the USA is the second largest country in terms of area, just under 10, uh, 10 million square kilometers. Um, but they are the first overall in population, um, 333 million people. So they are the largest um, country by population competing in the World Cup. Right. And in the players podcast, we're going to see that that uh, kind of number of players uh, yield uh, uh, is kind of influencing the player situation uh, in USA there. Okay, well, Iran is uh, in the Middle East, uh, kind of to the northwest of India. Yeah, northwest of India and um, just east of Iraq. Um, it has It's 1.6 million square kilometers, so it's a large country. It's the eighth largest um, among countries in the World Cup. And at 86 million people, it's the fifth largest in terms of population. Um, so three, all three countries that we've talked about so far, um, you know, they're in the top 25% in terms of population. So big countries represented here. Yeah, I didn't actually realize it, it ran with such a large uh, land mass there. Anyway, uh, moving on to Wales, which is uh, uh, just uh, west of England on the same uh, land mass. Yeah, and I guess from big countries to small, Wales is the second smallest in both population and area, just 20,000 square kilometers, so quite a bit smaller than England, and just 3.3 million people. So, um, yeah, quite a small country to be uh, competing at these finals. Yeah, I mean, that in itself makes, uh, makes their presence here uh, a bit of an achievement with such a small population. There's my bias coming out, Connor. Okay, let's take a look at the three uh, in comparison. You've talked about it a little bit in your discussion, but just to uh, put them side by side here. Yeah, so in terms of population, starting with the biggest, we have the USA at 333 million, Iran at 86 million, England at 56 million, and Wales at a mere 3.3. Wow, that is, uh, that is, what, 100 times smaller than USA. That's right, a hundred times smaller. And and we've mentioned our bias for Wales, but I guess that we should mention that you, of course, grew up in uh, Wales. Um, that's the reason for the bias. Um, yeah. Have, we come by it honestly. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I have a bit of a bias towards England, but to be honest, there are things I like about all of these teams and uh, USA's kind of uh, grittiness in soccer is one of the things I like about that country. Are we ready to move on to part two, the team by team? Yeah, let's. Uh, I'll let you take it away with England, uh, starting with their participation and achievements. All right. Well, England's first international game was in 1872, so they're considered the uh, invent or they are the inventors of the game, uh, although <coughs> others have taken it to new heights. They're the oldest soccer nation, but actually not a senior team as far as uh, the World Cup goes. As mentioned, the game was invented in England and uh, 1872 was considered the first international match played between England and, Connor, do you know? Scotland, I believe. Yeah, Scotland in 1872. 
Uh, but as far as the World Cup goes, before 1950, uh, they had a dispute with FIFA in 1928, and they refused to join the World Cup, uh, instead playing their home nations team uh, in the British Home Championships. Those were uh, basically British teams. Um, after reconciling with FIFA in 1946, they have participated every time since 1950. And in the Euro Cup, they missed the first edition in 1960, but they have participated regularly since. And how have they done, Connor? Yeah, in terms of their achievements, um, though England's seen as a dominant power uh, for most of their history, they have only won one major competition, uh, the World Cup in 1966, when they hosted it. Uh, they have never won the Euro Cup, and third place in 1968 was their best result until recently. Uh, almost equaled when they hosted in 1996, uh, finishing in the semi-final with no third-place playoff. All right, well, let's go a bit deeper into things uh, with a, an overview of their World Cup history. And, uh, yeah, as mentioned above, uh, England didn't participate in World Cup play before the war. Uh, they qualified consistently from 1950 uh, through 1966, where they won it until 1970. In 1974, though, they failed to qualify and then shocked even further by failing in 1978 also. Uh, that would only happen once more in 1994. Uh, similarly, they failed to pass the group stage three times, most famously in a shocking loss to USA uh, in their first World Cup in 1950 and then again in 1958 they failed to pass the group stage. Uh, 2014 made it a third time. Otherwise, they've reached the quarterfinals more than half the time, though fourth placed in 1990 is their second best result. Oh, I guess, yeah, their second best result. Yeah, All right, so, sorry, go. Yeah, their, their best result coming recently, which we will talk about. Yes, exactly. Okay, so, um, uh, Sorry, we're uh, entering our deep dive now into the World Cup Finals, which we've divided into five parts. So part one of five uh, deals with before 1950. So kind of repeating some of the stuff I said above. But uh, actually, England consider their first World Cup game to be a game in 1934 against Italy, who had won the FIFA World Cup. England termed the match uh, the real World Cup because they could considered themselves not without merit, uh, the best team in the world. But that strain of arrogance runs through their history. Uh, that game with Italy became known as the Battle of Highbury and included several broken bones, uh, one early on to the foot of defender Luis Monti, that's the Italian defender Luis Monti, uh, which played a big part in England going up 3 nothing just 12 minutes into the game. Italy rallied in the second half with the Italian great uh, Giuseppe Miazza scoring twice, but England won uh, in what a young Stanley Matthews, one of the England greats, described as the most violent game in his career. Connor, whenever you hear a title of a game that begins with the battle of, that usually refers to the violence of the game. Yeah, there's a few throughout history, but uh, yeah, shocking in that one. Yeah. Anyway, uh, part two of five deals with 1950 to 1966, and over to you, Connor. 
Um, so Stanley Matthews, who you mentioned, uh, plays a role, or, or rather didn't, um, in that inauspicious 1950 World Cup. Uh, despite being their best player, uh, he was not fielded in their second game against the USA, uh, England having won over Chile in their opener. Uh, this was likely because the USA seemed so small a threat. Um, but substitutions were not yet part of the game, so they could not field him as the USA clung on to a 1-0 lead. Some newspapers in England actually reported the score as a 10-1 win for England, um, thinking the news from Brazil, uh, the host, must have been a mistake. But it was true. Uh, the game finished 1-0, and, and, um, and then England would go on to lose their third game to Spain by the same margin and were out. Uh, despite being heavy favorites. Uh, the 1954 Cup was notable for its odd structure. Uh, despite being in groups of four, teams played only two of the others, and games went to extra time. The opening game with Belgium proved dramatic. Belgium went up at five minutes, but England came back and were up 3-1 by, by 63 minutes. The tide turned, and Belgium scored at 67 and 71 to equalize. Regular time ended that way, and strangely, the group stage game went to extra time, where England scored quickly in the 91st minute. However, they gave up, gave up an own goal in the 94th, and the game ended that way, 4-4. Uh, England went on to beat Switzerland and top the group. In another odd feature, group winners were paired with other group winners in the quarterfinal, while second-place finishers had an easier pairing with other second-place finishers. That is crazy. Yeah, that makes no sense. <laughs> um, and it proved costly for England. They were paired with defending champions uh, Uruguay, who had won their group, and England lost that game 2-4. to four. Wow. Uh, 1958 saw England tying all teams in the group stage, uh, being USSR, Brazil, and Austria. Uh, tied with USSR for second place, it went to a playoff game that USSR won. Uh, 1962 was also fairly unremarkable. Uh, they lost to Hungary in their opener but beat Argentina. In the third match, they tied Bulgaria but advanced in second, and they lost to eventual, eventual champions Brazil 1-3 uh, to three in the quarterfinals. Um, England nevertheless had high hopes for 1966, which they hosted. There, they tied their first game with Uruguay but won all their games after that. The quarterfinal with Argentina was controversial as uh, one South American was sent off for the look on his face um, at 35 minutes. Um, England won the game 1-0. The final with Germany was classic with Germany scoring in the 90th minute to tie the game 2-2. In the 101st minute, Jeffrey Hurst took a shot which hit the underside of the crossbar and went straight down then bounced back out. Even today, uh, it's impossible to tell with a naked eye if it went in. Uh, but of course, Germany felt the awarding of the goal was more because of home advantage. Um, but the goal stood and England uh, took home their only World Cup. Right, great. Um, all right. Well, part three of five deals with 1970 to 1990. So uh, 1970 featured what is considered to be the best save in World Cup history. Uh, having won one nothing over Romania in the first game, uh, the save happened in the second game against Brazil, uh, nicknamed the Clash of Champions. I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess England having won the previous cup. Um, Pele perfectly headed across uh, down into the bottom right corner 
of Gordon Banks's goal. Although Banks was positioned in the middle of his net a few steps forward, he not only managed to dive and reach the shot, but somehow deflected it over the bar and out. Uh, Pele is said to have applauded the save on the field and maintained throughout his life that he couldn't believe it was saved. Uh, Banks, in fact, made several excellent saves in the game, but they lost uh, uh, 0-1. A 1-0 win over Czechoslovakia saw them through in second place to the quarterfinals, which turned out to be against West Germany, so a replay of the 1966 final. England was ahead 2-0 despite keeper Gordon Banks being out with food poisoning. An overconfident England subbed out star player Bobby Charlton uh, in a new substitution rule and promptly lost control of the midfield. German, uh, got, Germany got two goals back to tie it, uh, the replacement goalie making mistakes that Gordon Banks probably wouldn't have, and they won in extra time. Uh, to avenge 1966. Uh, as we mentioned before, England failed to reach the next two cups, but returned for an unremarkable campaign in 1982. It started well, winning all games over France, Czechoslovakia and Kuwait in the group stage. That brought them to, um, to the three-team second group stage. There, uh, they had scoreless ties with West Germany and with host Spain to finish second in the group. But only West Germany, who had beaten Spain in the other game, advanced uh, to the final, which they won. In 1986, uh, England lost to Portugal in their opener and tied Morocco 0-0. Forward Gary Lineker pulled them through, scoring a hat-trick um, all three games in a three nothing win. Oh, sorry, all three goals in a three nothing win over Poland. England finished second behind an unlikely Morocco. Uh, in the round of sixteen, they beat Paraguay, but the tournament is really famous for their quarterfinal loss to Argentina. It saw Diego Maradona score two famous goals. One of them termed the Hand of God goal, which is a quirky goal featuring um, a great dribble by Madonna. Uh, a failed clearance by a defender lobbed back to the goalie and, and Maradona's leap, which looked like a header but was actually punched in with his fist, thus the uh, hand of God goal, which uh, he termed it that way, by the way. Uh, the second was an amazing run from his own half through England's defence, and both of those goals uh, have become classics. 1990 was a dull group stage that England won over Ireland and the Netherlands, both of whom they tied, and Egypt, who they beat 1-0. In the round of 16, they beat Belgium 1-0 in extra time. The goal scored at the very last moment at 1-19. The quarterfinal featured surprise package Cameroon. England saw themselves down 1-2 as the game drew to a close but they were awarded a penalty at 83 and then another penalty in extra time and they converted both. They lost to West Germany on penalties in the semi-finals, which initiated an ongoing anxiety over penalty shootouts that continues to the current day. Uh, they then lost to Italy in the third place match for a fourth place finish. Part four of five, 1990 to 2010, or it should be 1994 
to 2010? Well, they, they failed to reach the 1994 Cup. Um, so we'll go to 1998, uh, where they finished second in the group stage behind a strong Romania uh, with the famous George Haji at the helm. Uh, England lost to them, but beat Colombia and Tunisia to reach the round of 16. It was a much anticipated game against Argentina, given their 1986 meeting, and it did not disappoint. Argentina scored on a penalty at six minutes, and England equalized on a penalty at 10 minutes. A young Michael Owen scored again at 16 minutes, and England looked to go into the break up a goal until Argentina tied it up in the in first half injury time. Early in the second half at 47 minutes, David Beckham took a second yellow card, unless a red, for a petulant uh, but minor kickout after a rough tackle. However, England held on and no goals were scored in the second half or an extra time. The game went to penalties. Manager Glenn Hoddle had not practiced penalties, believing there was no way to prepare for the pressure of the real situation, a fact that did not reflect well after the 3-4 loss in the penalty shootout. Any opinion on that, Connor? Uh, the, the penalties? Was he mad? I think he was mad. I, I think now it's the pendulum swung the other way where players over-prepare trying to predict you know, what a player or a goalie will do based on past performance. But uh, yeah, to not prepare at all. Um, whether that's yeah. the reason they lost, but it, it didn't help in my opinion. Well, another pattern uh, recently that I think we're going to end up talking about here is uh, sometimes the best players now don't even want to take penalties. Yeah, that's that's uh, very true. Anyway, uh, on we go. All right, so we pick it up in 2002, which also saw England pitted against Argentina uh, in the group stage this time. Uh, however, it yielded no drama this time. Uh, England won the game 1-0 and otherwise tied Sweden and Nigeria to advance in second, while Argentina was knocked out in third. The only real drama came in the quarterfinals uh, after England beat Denmark 3-0 in the round of 16. England was preparing to go into halftime with a 1-0 lead over Brazil when Brazil equalized, and in the second half, it was Brazil's Ronaldinho taking center stage, catching England's goalkeeper out on a brilliant free kick at, 50th, at the 50th minute, but then getting a harsh red card at 57. Brazil's 10 men held on, though, knocking England out and eventually winning the World Cup. The 2006 group stage uh, started... Uh, started with England beating Paraguay on an own goal uh, from Beckham free kick at, uh, at three minutes for the only goal of the game, and a spunky Trinidad and Tobago who kept the game scoreless until Peter Crouch scored a header, which featured him pulling on the dreadlocks of a defender, which uh, went unnoticed and unpunished. After a win over Ecuador in the round of 16, uh, they were knocked out by Portugal in the quarterfinal. This too was a famous game for Wayne Rooney getting red-carded, a decision which seemed to be influenced by his Manchester United teammate Cristiano Ronaldo, who winked over to his bench when the deed was complete. What a devil. Okay, part five of five uh, covers 2010 to 2014. And uh, 2010 was a flat performance. The tournament opened with a goal at four minutes against USA. But at 40, an innocuous shot was mishandled by England's keeper, Robert Green. It effectively cost him his career, at least with the uh, national team. Uh, although the real problem was England's lack of urgency in pushing for a goal in the second half, which went scoreless. 
A goalless draw with Algeria was followed by a drab 1-0 win over Slovenia to advance in second behind USA. The Americans once again getting the better of uh, England as they did in 1950. Uh, the quarterfinals saw a 1-4 loss to Germany, but it featured an uncanny echo of the 1966 World Cup final. Uh, Connor described the goal in the World Cup final uh, as hitting the crossbar and bouncing straight down. In this game, an English shot hit the goal, uh, hit the crossbar again, bounced straight down and then out. Uh, in 1966, it had been counted as a goal, but uh, the same thing um, the same thing was determined not to be a goal. I don't know if they actually used technology, but this one was slightly more obvious and uh, it was uh, not given as a goal. Well, they didn't use technology at this time. I mean, it would have been a goal had a simple goal line technology been used. And I think it kind of hastened it in because it was such a high profile game. And, and frankly, it was England that it kind of, uh, I think, created the push for bringing that sort of technology in. Are you saying it did go over the line? Yes, the, the ball did go over the line, but it was no goal. Um, oh, okay. And I think it, it did hasten the... Uh, the use of goal line technology after the fact. I see. Okay, well, I'd like to look at that one again. Um, okay, anyway, moving on to 2014. Uh, that saw them in a, in a group of death uh, with Italy and Uruguay. It truly was a group of death, although the fourth team, Costa Rica, was given no chance. Uh, after a disappointing loss to Italy, where they actually seemed the better team, they were dismantled by uh, tricky Uruguay, especially tricky Luis Suarez, uh, and they were out after game two. Uh, the unlikely Costa Rica uh, tied them scoreless in the third game and won the group, believe it or not. Yeah, that was uh, remarkable. Right. Well, we're going to look at uh, 2018 in a little more detail here uh, because it was their last cup. So take it away, Connor. All right, so we'll start with qualifying. Uh, England went undefeated in qualifying for the 2018 World Cup, um, but suffered away draws with Slovenia and Scotland. Uh, it was not altogether um, a convincing performance since they relied on two injury time goals to salvage points. Um, England allowed no attempts on uh, goal to host Slovakia, had a 10-man advantage due to a, a Slovakian red card at 57, and hit the woodwork but it took until the 95th minute to get the only goal of the, the game and win. Um, there's also a thrilling end to a classic uh, Scotland versus England match. Uh, following England's opening goal at the 70th minute, Scotland came back with two goals um, on well-taken free kicks by Lee Griffiths at 87 and 90, only to suffer a draw when England's new captain, Harry Kane, got an equalizer um, at the 93rd minute. Cool. Um, England also required a goal in the 94th minute to overcome Slovenia at home. Nevertheless, um, they beat Slovakia, Lithuania, and Malta twice each um, and finished with, with a record of eight wins and two draws. In the World Cup Finals tournament, um, they beat Tunisia on an injury time penalty, um, but then crushed Panama to secure advancement after game two. The third game... Uh, paired basically England's and Belgium's B teams, um, and England kind of won by losing. Uh, they lost the match to finish second, but placed themselves on the far easier route to the final uh, than Belgium. 
Um, in the knockout round, they suffered an equalizer in injury time against Columbia in the round of 16, uh, but overcame their penalty shootout hex uh, to advance, um, and then they beat Sweden after that. In the semifinal, they took the lead against Croatia, but lost in extra time and ended up having to settle for fourth by losing uh, for a second time to Belgium. Um, so perhaps making a bit uh, too much of their success, England uh, nevertheless um, had their best results since 1966 uh, when they won the tournament at home. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to dispute that they overcame their uh, penalty hex. I think it's still a bit of a a bit of a bugaboo for them. Would you agree? Um, I, I think they. Uh, I think it was important that they won this one. Um, I think Southgate had them them well prepared. So I guess it remains to be seen. I think it perhaps the next penalty shootout uh, could be determinative whether it kind of gives them the jitter still or not. But oh, overall, right. uh, fourth place was a pretty good achievement for for a young England side. Yeah, definitely, and gives them uh, a bit of promise going into this World Cup. And actually, that's what we're going to deal with next is this World Cup, uh, uh, just the qualification for 2020. So England had a very solid qualification, um, tying only Poland um, away and also at home to Hungary. And they finished first in the qualifying group, uh, six points ahead of second place Poland. So uh, quite comfortable for them. Um, they did score um, in the 85th minute to secure a home win over Poland. Uh, that was in their third match and kind of set them on for success in the group. Yeah, Hungary seems a bit of a, a what do you call it, a team that um, kind of like USA gets the better of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, England, uh, yeah, a win and a tie here, but we'll we'll talk about Hungary again shortly. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's go on to the Euro Cup history. And in this podcast, we're just doing an overview uh, we'll take a, a deeper dive the next time they qualify for, or the next time they're in a European Cup. But uh, in an overview, um, well, less convincing in all respects is their Euro Cup record. Uh, having not entered the first edition in 1960, they failed to qualify for three of their first four. However, they won, they did, the one they did qualify for in 1968 led to their best finish, a third-place finish. Uh, their poor record continued over the next four editions to 1992, uh, reaching only the group stage uh, in three and not qualifying for the other, uh, winning only one of their nine games in the process, including losing all three games in 1988. Hosting in 1996 brought them out of this slump with a semi-final finish, and they have passed the group stage in four of the last six editions. Even with that, though, uh, recent history has not been impressive. They once again failed to reach the Cup in 2008 and have only gone one step beyond the group stage when they have passed it. Um, they went into the 2020 Cup more hopeful, uh, given that their clubs have been doing well in European competition. So uh, let's see uh, if it reflected at the international level. So for Euro uh, 2020, England uh, stormed through an easy qualifying group, uh, scoring 37 goals in 10 games wow. and dropping points only in an away loss to the Czech Republic. Uh, Kosovo, Bulgaria and Montenegro uh, were the other teams. Um, and that uh, 
that lost the Czech Republic came um, um, with a goal scored at 85th minute. So they, they lost it um, kind of right at the end there. Right. Um, but really didn't trouble them. And then, um, yeah, in terms of the finals themselves, England played almost all games at home um, at Wembley Stadium. Um, of course, this was a Euro where it was held in various locations. Um, so they played all the, almost all their games in London except the quarterfinal match, which was played uh, in Rome. They beat Croatia and Czech Republic uh, in single goal games um, and went scoreless with Scotland to finish first in the group stage. After that, they beat Germany and then Ukraine. And then in the semifinals, they beat Denmark in extra time. In the final, England lost to Italy on penalties, uh, inexperienced players missing uh, their last three shots. So perhaps penalties catching up with them again. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I, although they were they were quite satisfied with that result, uh, the penalty... Uh, the penalty bear came back, and yeah. uh, I wonder if it'll be a factor if if they have another important uh, penalty shootout down the road. Yeah, I'm interesting to see, and I agree. Second place was a great result, but to go as far as penalties and lose, uh, obviously disappointing. Yeah, I don't know uh, if we're going to talk about that trend because it's not just England who are who are uh, actually subbing in inexperienced players to take these penalties, but. Uh, it's more a factor of the veterans just just saying, you know, no. Uh, can you think of a reason for that? Is there reputation uh, on the line here? I'm not sure. I mean, the biggest case of reputation damaging, um, being damaged on penalty shoot would be Asamoah Gyan um, for Ghana when when he missed in, uh, in the World Cup against Uruguay and vowed to never take a penalty again. Yeah. Um, but I don't and know. Roberto I mean, Baggio is remembered too for the for, for his miss uh, in in I can't remember what year it was nineteen ninety eight maybe. Yeah, I think ninety four. But yeah, 94. yeah, you're right about that. I I think what clubs are trying to do is just find who are the best penalty kick takers and perhaps discounting experience. Um, you know, perhaps just doing kind of raw raw scores. But I think in a pressure situation, I think that experience matters, and I think you could use that England loss and penalties to Italy is perhaps a case in point. Yeah, uh, I mean, yes, you're right. Uh, Southgate does maintain that he was choosing the best penalty takers and it wasn't about uh, about that. But um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see whether... Uh, there's a word I'm looking for that's not bugaboo, but it's like something that, that torments or haunts them. But uh, uh, I, I kind of think they will be haunted if they have another big penalty shootout down the road. Uh, we're going to look at you. I thought you were going to help me out with that word there, Connor. I, I can't think of it, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to think about it a bit like 10 minutes after the podcast here. Okay, well, let's take a look at their recent and upcoming games. Uh, most of them have been actually uh, uh, UEFA uh, Nations League A games, which started in June, and uh, they've played four of six games. That'll be true for all of the European teams. Uh, but they have a couple of friendlies in there. Do you want to take us through it? Yeah, so 2022 started with friendly wins against Switzerland and Ivory Coast. And then in their four Nations League A games, they've actually yet to register a win. Uh, we mentioned Hungary. Uh, they've lost to Hungary twice, including 4-0 at home. Um, and that those games, uh, uh, in between those two games, was a tie in Germany and a tie at home against Italy. 
Um, but yeah, two losses, two draws from the uh, Nations League so far. So not ideal form, but they'll have a couple more Nations League games. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, they have Italy away and uh, Germany at home uh, in September. Yeah, so those uh, are important games. It's reminding me of a story, and, and uh, I didn't write it down here, so I I'm, I'm, can't remember the details. But I remember uh, during that period, uh, maybe it was when they were not a part of FIFA, we talked about the, the game they played against uh, uh, World Cup winners Italy around 1934. But Hungary was actually the strongest team in the world around 19, uh, in the early 50s. And uh, England uh, decided to kind of prove that they were better and they went over to uh, play Hungary. I think they played home and away. Do you know about that? Uh, vaguely, yeah. We might have talked about it previously. And yeah, I mean, the long and short of it is they got slaughtered uh, by Hungary. So that that's a kind of an ongoing uh, an ongoing history with Hungary here. And I got to say, this four nothing loss at home is is a, 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 a kind of the next chapter of that story. Would you say? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Hungary seemed by far the weakest team in that group compared to Germany and Italy. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's as bad a home loss probably in recent memory for England. Yeah, they just, uh, Hungary just seems to have their number. Um, okay, well, we'll finish with a look at the World Cup schedule. Uh, in what team, in what order do they, play, do they play these teams? Take it away, Connor. So England starts with Iran, plays USA second, and then they finish with the, the derby match, if you will, against Wales. All right, and we're going to uh, consider that uh, a little more in part three, whether there's any significance to the order of their fixtures. Uh, but now we're going to move on to part two, uh, USA. Uh, when was their first international game, Connor? Um, it was in 1885, if you can believe it. Um, yeah, that's uh, pretty old. Uh, in most cases, that was an Englishman coming over uh, to other countries and kind of spreading the, the good word, if you will. Um, so I imagine that's how it happened in the U.S. too. All right, well, let's begin with a look at their participation and achievements. And uh, the USA actually has a much longer soccer tradition than most people would guess. Few people realize that they not only entered the first World Cup in 1930, but they took third place there. The only cup they failed to participate in was in 1938 when they withdrew. Uh, ironically, their participation in the regional cup uh, uh, in North America, North and Central America, is not as good. They didn't enter the first four. Uh, they didn't enter four of the first five editions, although they participated consistently from 1973 onwards. Uh, they've won the competition several times in recent years, but their first uh, title was relatively late in 1991. Um, I think I was treading on, on your part there because you were going to tell us about their achievements. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll kind of summarize some of what you said, but their, their best achievement in World Cup play is third place in 1930, as you mentioned, the very first World Cup. Uh, more recently, it's reaching the quarter-final stage in the 2002 World Cup, where they were knocked out by uh, Germany. Uh, they never won the regional title before 1990, as you mentioned, uh, but won the first Gold Cup, kind of a revamped tournament in 1991, and have taken the title in half of the edition since. In the Confederations Cup, they pulled off a remarkable second-place finish in 2009, 
uh, for their best result in three appearances there. Uh, finally, they have taken fourth place in two Copa Americas, um, 1995 and 2016. Right. Uh, we're not really going to get into competitions outside of the World Cup and Regional Cup, but yes, Confederations Cup and Copa America uh, are, are other competitions which we will probably discuss in a future podcast. But let's uh, now move on to a World Cup uh, overview. And uh, despite that impressive continuity in World Cup play, uh, in World Cup play at least, because it wasn't in regional cup play, their history is best described as two separate periods of ascendancy. The first was in the early years when they participated in the World Cups and sometimes surprised. In addition to their third place in 1930, they pulled a shock win over England, which you described uh, in 1950, beating the 250 to 1 odds there. Wow. Uh, from 1954 to 1994, however, they failed to qualify for the World Cup, even when Mexico left the door open. Their second period of ascendancy started from 1994 and was motivated by their hosting of the World Cup that year. From that time, they have uh, been almost on par with Mexico, and the two dominate their region. They have qualified for every World Cup from 1994 to 2014, uh, though that is partly the strength of their region that makes it easy for them to get one of the 3.5 World Cup spots available. We're going to talk about that uh, CONCACAF uh, qualification system a bit later on. Uh, they made a big impact in 2002, reaching the quarterfinals. Hey, Connor, I forgot to jump in earlier and say I was at that game between uh, USA and Germany. Right, when you were living in South Korea, yes. Yeah, and I actually reviewed the uh, the uh, YouTube video of it later, and, and really, uh, America kind of deserved to win that game. They were very good in that World Cup. Yeah, they. Uh, uh, oh, I, I'll probably be talking about it in more detail here. So I'll just I'll just finish this section. Uh, they passed the group stage four out of six times between 1994 and 2014, and we'll take a look at 2018 in more detail later. Are you ready for the deep dive, Connor? Yeah, take it away. We, we've divided this into three parts, so I'll let you begin with 1930 to 1950. All right. Uh, well, traveling to Uruguay was a bit less of a burden for them than it was for European teams, but they still did well to make a long journey and thus established themselves as a veteran team, although uh, many people don't regard them as such a long-lived soccer nation. Uh, they also did well beating Paraguay and Belgium, both 3 nothing in the group stage. They advanced to the semi-final with Argentina, but there they were crushed 1-6. One, one uh, there uh, is a question as to whether there was a third-place match, with some reports saying there was one which Yugoslavia won 3-1 uh, three three over USA. But FIFA itself officially lists USA uh, in third place, but that seems to be based on their record in other games rather than any playoff between them. Yeah, there's no official playoff. So we, uh, I've called it a semi-final reaching the semi-finals. Anyway, moving on, USA also reached the World Cup in Italy in 1934. Uh, the qualification is actually an interesting story in itself, but we'll focus on the finals here. 
the tournament format was basically what the final stages are now uh, a knockout from uh, a knockout from the round of 16 onwards so usa's tournament consisted of one game which was a 1-7 loss to host italy it was hardly worth the 6000 mile round trip but that was the same for all non-European teams. Uh, Brazil, Argentina, and Egypt all knocked out after one game. Maybe that's part of the reason they boycotted in uh, 1938, hey? Yeah, as did many others uh, from the Americas. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, yes, they did withdraw from the uh, 1938 World Cup. Uh, not so much because of uh, what I just described, but because of a decision to hold it in Europe for the second time in a row, the initial agreement was that it would alternate between uh, the Americas, probably South America and Europe. So uh, it ended up that Cuba and Brazil were the sole participant from the Americas. Um, but for that, uh, uh, you know, except for that, they would have constant uh, appearances for the first war uh, four World Cups because they did qualify for the Brazil edition in 1950. And there they started with a 1-3 loss to Spain. Uh, the historical game, though, uh, was their 1-0 win over England in Game 2. They scored uh, in the 38th minute and hung on despite England being vastly superior. Uh, we've talked about that game before, so we won't recount it all here. Instead, we'll move on to the game after that, which was a 2-5 loss to Chile in the third game. And the USA finished last, uh, but they had prevented England from advancing since only the top team in the group, Spain, uh, moved on. Uh, but after that, it would be 40 years until USA qualified again. And that takes us to part two, Connor, uh, 1990 to 2002. Yeah, so the USA did um, have qualified consistently from 1990 onwards. Um, 1990 saw the tail end of their week period, uh, even within the region, and they lost all three games in the Cup, uh, beginning with the 1-5 loss to Czechoslovakia. They lost the other two games also, but by more respectable margins to Italy and Austria. In 1994, the USA hosted, but still only scraped through the group stage, they earned a draw with Switzerland in their opener and beat Colombia in the second match. Uh, the, that game became uh, infamous when the uh, Colombian scorer of the own goal uh, that saw the USA win uh, was shot not long after his return to Colombia. Uh, the USA lost their third game to an inform Romania and finished third in the group, tied with Switzerland but behind on goal difference. Uh, they nevertheless advanced in third uh, and placed, faced Brazil. The USA gained an advantage when Brazil took a red card in the 43rd minute. However, the USA gave up that advantage by getting their own red card uh, at 64 minutes, and Brazil scored the only game or only goal of the game eight minutes later. In 19, uh, 1998, sorry, suggested that their success had only been due to hosting, as they lost all games there to Germany, Iran, and Yugoslavia. But that proved false with a competitive campaign in 2002, uh, starting emphatically going 3-0 up on Portugal uh, by the 26th minute and winning the game 3-2. They tied host South Korea in their second game. I was there! All right, cheering <laughs> on Korea. 
Um, so yeah, that was their second game. And despite losing to Poland in their third game, uh, they advanced uh, to the knockout round in second place. They beat Mexico in the round of 16, uh, interesting matchup, and played well enough. Um, they played well enough to beat Germany in the quarterfinals, but lost uh, zero to one, as you mentioned. So a valiant effort, but uh, falling short. Right. Yeah. So uh, just for listeners who haven't listened to the podcast before, I lived in Korea for uh, uh, 15 years. So I obviously have a, a little bit of a bias there, but I was there for the uh, 2002 World Cup. In fact, your dad came over to uh, to join me for that. It was great. Yeah. All right. Well, we move on to part three of three, which is 2006 to 2014. And 2006 saw they saw them lose their opener 0-3 to Czech Republic. Uh, they faced Italy in a rough match uh, in the next game, where three yellow cards were handed out. A nasty one by uh, by Italy at 27, for which the player got a four-game suspension, and then two red cards to USA for lesser fouls. Uh, at 45 and 47, so on both sides of the half. Uh, USA clung on to a tie despite only nine men, and uh, they also only used two subs in the game. They lost to Ghana in the third game, victims of a soft penalty just before halftime, but they were unable to recover in a scoreless second half, uh, so that put them out at the group stage. In 2010, they met England in their opener, and again, uh, disappointed England's ambitions with a 1-1 draw. In game two, they came back from 0-2 uh, down to tie Slovenia and even scored a late winner, but it was disallowed for reasons that never really became clear. They also suffered a valid goal disallowed in their third game against Algeria, but on the brink of going out, they scored a late winner that saw them finish ahead of England in second. In the round of 16, they met Ghana again. That's again because they met them in 2006. Uh, they went down a goal uh, at five minutes, but equalized on a penalty at 72. The game went to extra time, but Ghana scored quickly three minutes in and uh, took, that, took that lead uh, to the end. Uh, so, uh, 2014 began with them facing Ghana yet again. That's the third uh, cup in a row there. And this time they won 2-1, scoring just 22 seconds in and then getting the winning goal at 86. In the second game against Portugal, they were on the verge of winning until Cristiano Ronaldo set up an equalizer at 90 plus 4. That's four minutes into injury time. They got the last laugh, though, advancing in second ahead of Portugal, despite losing to Germany in the third game. Uh, on, in the round of 16, they took Belgium to extra time, thanks to the heroics of goalkeeper Tim Howard. The game ended 0-0, but the extra time period saw three goals, uh, Belgium getting the first two of them. I think, actually, Tim Howard set a record for the most saves in the World Cup that game. Yeah, that rings a bell. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, the USA got one back and they had several chances for an equalizer, uh, but they were unable to found, find one. So knocked out by Belgium in the round of 16 there in 2014. And then you're going to take us through their most recent World Cup in 2018? Right. So in 2018, um, 
They were one of the top six ranked teams in CONCACAF to receive a bye through to round four or five. Um, that's not unusual. There are a lot of small teams in CONCACAF, so there's quite a few stages in qualifying. Um, the USA was strong at home, winning all games, um, but they tied Trinidad and Tobago and lost to Guatemala on the road, um, nevertheless finishing first in the round four group. In uh, round five, which is known as the Hex, they lost to Mexico and Costa Rica at home and went winless on the road. This included a humiliating 0-4 loss in Costa Rica, ties with Panama, Mexico, and Honduras, and most bitterly, a loss to Trinidad and Tobago's B team in the final game. Wow. Um, yeah. that, um, that conspired with two other results, uh, Honduras's win over group winners Mexico and Panama's win over second-place finishers Costa Rica to kind of create a perfect storm um, that shocked the U.S. out of the World Cup for the first time since 1986. So just to reiterate, they finished fifth out of the six-team group um, and uh, failed to uh, failed to advance. Yeah, that was actually incredible because, um, you know, it, first of all, unimaginable that they, they would finish fifth uh, in the group. But the way things came together at the end was just incredible. Well, and despite the USA going into their last game with a very poor three-win, three-draw, three-loss record, uh -huh. the way it's set up is three, basically four teams go on, the fourth place team getting a half spot. So you can really get by by having a losing record. You just can't mm. finish in the bottom two. So despite a poor performance, all they needed was a point in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, actually a win, but a, a point could have been enough. Um, as it happened, they lost, and yeah, like I said, a perfect storm of events saw them finish fifth. So, um, yeah, quite an amazing series of events. Yeah, I mean, my general impression, not just because of this World Cup, though, is that the the, the USA is actually fairly weak on the road, um, which I guess that brings us to the to the recent qualification to 2022. But um, pay attention to their road record here. Yeah. So the USA was one of five teams to questionably receive a bye to the final round um, in a qualification system that was blatantly unfair um, before COVID uh, caused some changes to improve it somewhat. Okay, then now it's time for my rant, Connor. All right. I think uh, I think uh, listeners maybe won't know that you were ranting about Wales in pot four at the beginning because you're you're a pretty mellow guy. But you were more vociferous about it when we talked about it before the podcast. Uh, my rant here is is uh, um, what they did here in 2022. This was before COVID. Is they just nominated the top five ranked FIFA teams to the uh, to the uh, the hex, the final round, and then uh, there would be one more team. Uh, either basically El Salvador or Canada um, uh, nominated to the HEC. So um, the rest of the teams in CONCACAF would all go through uh, uh, an elaborate playoff system uh, to, to narrow it down to one, play, one team. And then that one team uh, played the fourth team in the HEX in a playoff uh, to get to an intercontinental playoff. So basically, the other teams in CONCACAF were awarded a quarter spot if you weren't nominated to the final round 
by uh, the FIFA rankings. What do you think? Yeah, it, it was scandalous. And, and as Canadian fans, with Canada being on the bubble, what it basically meant is they basic is FIFA, you know, using rankings that we know have their flaws. They basically handpick teams into the final round, no questions asked. Um, I've never seen this in any region. I've never seen an attempt like this really in any international play. Um, you know where you know. I mean, it's not unlike the European Super League, absolutely, uh, where they're just nominating the 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 teams and just saying they're the best teams in Europe without any without any system to decide if they really are the best teams. Yeah, and and of course, USA failing to reach the last World Cup, you know, could bring that into question. But yeah, it was basically, you know, I think perhaps, um, and this is me speculating, but perhaps with the USA's failure in 2018, it was basically how can we avoid such a failure in the future? And their solution was to just put the teams into the final round of qualifying. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, it was it was blatantly unfair. Luckily, they did change it. They, their solution was basically to go from a 16 hex to an 18 oct. Yeah. Um, so they expanded it a little bit. Um, Still a bit unfair, but yeah, it was better. And look what happened. Like a, a, a team that maybe wouldn't have been nominated to that uh to the hex ended up winning the group i mean that's why you have a qualification system to allow those teams to to show their stuff you know yeah i mean the the beauty of the world cup qualification is that every team starts with a chance of qualifying and in north america they had all but taken that away um yeah all but five five or six teams I'm not sure if it all came down to, uh, you know, America not reaching the Cup in 2018. But the fact is that uh, the reason CONCACAF, like logically, North and South, North and Central America should join with South America to become one big reason. And the reason uh, that it doesn't happen is mostly because Mexico and USA don't want to give up the advantage that they have in CONCACAF. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thank you for that psychological counseling lesson, Connor. I feel a whole lot better about things now. All right, are you good to continue? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. <laughs> oh, I thought you were doing the uh, 22... Uh, oh, that's right, I'll, uh, I'll pick it up there. Um, so yes, back to, uh, back to the, the octagon. Um, the USA was strong at home. Um, only suffering a draw with group winners Canada, who had not been among the anointed five, as we mentioned. Um, the USA bested Mexico, but their weak road record, and specifically a loss in their final game in Costa Rica, saw them finish behind Mexico, so third of eight in the final group stage. And that poor road record included ties in El Salvador and Jamaica, and a loss in Panama. Uh, they finished tied with Costa Rica, and had the tie-breaking criteria been head-to-head -head games, they would have finished fourth and been forced into an intercontinental playoff. Um, but because goal difference was used, they they managed to uh, get here automatically. I gotta say, Connor, that was a bit of, a bit of a closer shave than I realized. Yeah, and um, it really, you know, they had they won seven of eight at home and won one of eight on the road. And some very costly losses, including and, and drop points early on, like you said, and started with a, an away tie in El Salvador. Like that really nearly caught up to them. 
That's but, right. I, I can't help but point out that their only non-win at home was to, uh, oh, who was that to? Uh, Canada! Yes, Canada were brilliant, but we'll, we'll cover them later. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the... Um, the regional competition, uh, which we're only going to do an overview of here, and uh, let's go. So the same pattern reflects in regional soccer um, as in world uh, stage soccer, uh, although um, it began slightly earlier. Uh, shockingly, they either didn't enter or didn't qualify for the regional final from 1963 to 1981, and they were knocked out in the group stage in their first successful qualification in 1985. However, from 1989, they dominated along with Mexico. They finished second in 1989, and they won it in 1991 when it became the Gold Cup. Uh, since then, they've rarely failed to finish in the top two. Uh, their worst performance was in 2000 when, uh, when they only reached the quarterfinals. Um, I can't remember who won in 2000, Connor, do you? All right, Canada. Oh, yes, it helps. We're terrible, Connor. It helps that the tournament is either totally or mostly held in the USA, uh, especially in recent editions. Uh, after a good win, after a good period winning three out of four times from 2002 to 2007, they fell off, losing to Mexico 0 to 5 in 2009 and 2 4 in 2011 and turned their worst re recent performance, sorry, they turned in their worst recent performance in 2015 with a fourth place finish. Uh, this was punctuated though with the title over Panama in 2013, although it was a tournament where few teams sent their A teams. Uh, that's a bit of a problem for the Gold Cup um, with uh, teams not sending their best. And uh, also in 2013, uh, uh, sorry, I'm getting a bit lost here. Um, anyway, the point was that, that um, the Gold Cup does struggle from, from teams not sending their best players. Uh, and that's possibly because the tournament is held every two years and in the summertime where, where players deserve a break. Anyway, things have gone back to a fine balance with Mexico, with the USA uh, winning again in 2017 and Mexico in 2019, and we will take a look at 2019 and 2021 in detail. Yeah, so um, USA qualifies automatically, so there is no qualifying to speak of. In 2019, um, they crushed Guyana and Trinidad and Tobago, uh, revenge for 2018 um, mm -hmm. on Trinidad, who knocked them out of World Cup qualifying. And then they finished with the win over Panama, um, both teams there playing a B team um, just to figure out who was first in the group. Um, the USA then beat Curaçao and Jamaica in the knockout rounds before losing 1-0 to Mexico in the final. Um, there we have it. And we're also going to... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just prepared to move on to 2021. Okay, that's what I was going to uh, introduce. Go ahead. Um, and actually, this one, there there was qualifying um, through the CONCACAF Nations League, kind of newly introduced. Yeah, so a bit of irony there that, uh, you know, the, they, they are qualifying for Gold Cups uh, now, which is a bit ironic given what we said about World Cup qualification before. Sorry, go on. Yeah. So um, in their Nations League Group A, it was a three-team group. Uh, they lost in Canada um, 
but otherwise won all games, Cuba being the other team. So they finished uh, atop the group and qualified for the cup. Right. And that uh, uh, win by Canada was uh, the first time in 34 years uh, that Canada had beat the USA. Yeah, very nice. Mm -hmm. um, bringing uh, kind of a B team to the cup, the USA won all group stage um, games or won all games by a score of 1-0, except for convincing 6-1 win over Martinique in the group stage. Um, the tournament began with a tight game over Haiti and an early goal against a dominant Canada um, that saw them win all their games to finish first in the group stage. Um, late goals against Qatar and Jamaica saw them through to the final, where another late goal, this one an extra time um, at the 117th minute mark, saw them win over Mexico for their seventh Gold Cup title. All right, so it looks like uh, they've exchanged wins evenly uh, since, uh, is it 2017? Yeah, with uh, Back and forth between Mexico and USA. Yeah, even earlier since 2013. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, they've actually played uh, their recent games uh, is uh, a Gold Cup 2023 qualifying, which is done through the CONCACAF Nations League. And, of course, USA is in League A there. Uh, do you want to take us through how they've done, Connor? Yeah, they've played two of their four games so far. Um, that includes a 5-0 win over Granada and a 1-1 draw in El Salvador. Uh, they also tied in El Salvador in qualifying for this World Cup. So, uh, um, yeah, only a yeah. draw is as good as they can manage. Uh, yeah, they're in second place, but they played uh, one last game. But just one interesting note, although we're not going to look at players in this podcast, but the next one. Uh, you may be interested, Connor, that uh, Jesus Ferreira, we've been talking in the player podcast about them kind of uh, settling on a forward. And now there's another name in the mix with Jesus Ferreira scoring four of the five goals in their win over Granada. Hmm, interesting. Okay, well, uh, uh, otherwise they have played a few friendly games. Um, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, those were... Um... I'll just talk about the two most recent, which were in June of 2022. Okay. Actually, there was one in December of 2021, which was a 1-0 win over Bosnia. Uh, but after that, it was a 2-0 loss in Costa Rica, but then a 3-0 win over Morocco. Um, so, yeah. Not, not oh, uh, sorry. I've added a couple of other games uh, in the meanwhile. I think those um, were their uh, Nations oh, League. Oh, yes, right, Nations League. Okay, gotcha. So, uh, once again, Connor, we're, we're seeing that they're very strong at home and kind of uh, uh, suspect on the road. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that uh, is the end of the USA, and we're just left with um, uh, mentioning their World Cup schedule. Yeah, so they play Wales first, England second, and then Iran third. All right, well, that looks interesting. Okay, let's move on to talk about Iran. Uh, and their first international game was in 1941. And we'll just kind of overview their participation and achievements first. So uh, their entry in the World Cup in 1974 was surprisingly late. And uh, it was pretty inconsistent as they didn't enter in 1982 and were disqualified in 1986 for refusing a FIFA ruling to play their home games on neutral ground. 
Uh, they participated uh, consistently since 1990, though. They have entered qualification for uh, the Asian, or oh, sorry, they first entered qualification for the Asian Cup much earlier uh, in 1960, which was the second edition. They participated constantly in the Asian Cup uh, from 1964 uh, when the Cup was held in Israel. Uh, sorry, from 1964. Uh, no, except no, from, yeah, from 1960, but they withdrew in 1964 uh, when the Cup was held in Israel. That's a bit of an odd history because Israel's not part of Asia, but um, uh, they were kind of bouncing from, from region to region uh, before they ended up in the European region. Anyway, um, Iran has also uh, been part of more local groups. But yeah, as I said, we're not going to get into uh, local groups uh, in this podcast. So let's go over to you for an overview of their achievements. Right. So Iran has reached the World Cup five times, but have never passed the group stage. Uh, they won the Asian Cup three times in a row in wow. 1968, 1972 and 1976, but have not won since. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'll let you uh, <laughs> take us to a, a yeah. World Cup overview. OK, let's uh, go to the uh, a bit a bit of a closer look at their World Cup history. So uh, they have reached the World Cup five times. Uh, that was in 1978, 1998, 2006, and then two of the last three editions. Uh, additionally, they came close in 2002, where they lost at the last step, an intercontinental playoff, which was really a dramatic encounter with Australia, who was uh, part of the Oceanic region at that time. Uh, Iran's qualifications are actually invariably dramatic. All qualifications since 1990, with the exception of 2006, finished very tightly, regardless of whether it ended in success or failure. Uh, in general, they have become increasingly more reliable as one of the candidates from the Asian region who qualify for the Cup. And in their performances, they've become increasingly consistent. Uh, well, since we're doing a deep dive, we won't overview their uh, performances in the cup in the overview rather we'll just go straight ahead to the uh, to the deep dive so their first world cup entry was in 1974 so it's quite impressive that their first successful campaign uh, their first success in reaching the world cup was their second campaign in 1978 they went undefeated through the qualifying campaign but they were out of their depth in the cup they lost to Netherlands and Peru by three goal margins. Uh, Netherlands' Rob Rensenbrink and Peru's uh, Teofilo Kubayas scoring hat-tricks against them respectively. However, uh, they did manage a draw with Scotland uh, in that cup. Do you want to pick it up from 1998, Connor? Yeah, so it would take 20 years for them to qualify again, which, which does bring us to 98. They did better here, earning their first World Cup win over the United States. Who they made here. Yeah. Uh, Iran lost the other two by more respectable margins than in uh, 1978, losing 0-1 to to Yugoslavia and 0-2 to to Germany. And throughout the tournament, they did not allow a goal in the first half. They also finished third ahead of the United States. Great. Well, 2006 was their next appearance, and it started with a 1-3 loss to Mexico and then a 0-2 loss to Portugal. 
Uh, they did manage a point in their last game, drawing 1-1 without Angola, but this time they finished in last place. Once again, uh, they were tough in their first half of games, with only one of the six goals against them coming in the first half. 2014 started more promisingly with a tie against Nigeria. It looked as if they would earn a well-deserved tie against Argentina until Lionel Messi scored the only goal of the game in the dying seconds of injury time on an excellent shot. Uh, and they came out of the game aggrieved about having not received a penalty call um, on a tackle in the box in the 54th minute, which really was a valid shout. Uh, they were less competitive with Bosnia in their third match and lost 1-3. Right. Okay, well, that takes us to 2018, which they also qualified for. And uh, you're going to take us through that modern history. Right. Um, so 2018 uh, was the most competitive uh, group stage, um, even though economic sanctions prevented Iran from preparing well. Um, Nike couldn't sell them boots, and their national jersey is the only one unavailable for purchase. Um, they also had trouble arranging friendlies. Which they seem to have this time, by the way. Yeah. Um, so their their finals began with the win over Morocco. Uh, the only goal of the game earned on a free kick at the 95th minute, uh, headed in by a Moroccan player. Uh, it was only their second win in World Cup history. Um, a tight game with Spain in the second match saw them losing 0-1. to And in the third game, Portugal went up a goal and could have made it two on a penalty in the 53rd minute, but uh, it was missed. Iran made them pay by scoring an equalizer in injury time for what was a deserved draw. Uh, however, their four points was only enough to earn third place and the two European teams advanced. All right, so a pretty good showing uh, for uh, Iran there. And we are going to move on to uh, World Cup 2018. No, we just did that. Sorry, I, I guess I neglected to uh, to talk about qualifying for that tournament. So I'll, I'll just say, yeah. um, I'll just go back there um, briefly. So um, Iran were um, put into sorry they they received a buy in the in the first round, the second round group stage, um, they won uh, six of their eight games, tying the other two um, away in Turkmenistan and Oman to finish comfortably first place. Um, that put them into the final um, into the final group stage. Okay, yeah. Just a note there that that, that round two of three uh, was also qualifying for the 2019 Asian Cup, as we'll see soon. So uh, it meant they reached the Asian Cup through that second round. Right, that's a good point. Um, so then in the final round, um, Iran... Um, went undefeated. They won six of their games, uh, drawing the other four. Um, and they were particularly strong at home, uh, where they won um, where they won their first four and then tied um, in Syria in their final game um, when they'd already qualified. Um, but they finished ahead of South Korea, um, who they bested. Um, and then Syria was the third place finisher. So Iran qualified automatically uh, in first place. Right, and that battle with South Korea is kind of an ongoing thing. I think over the last uh, three cups, uh, we'll we'll see how it panned out in 2022. Uh, losing that last game to or tying that last game with Syria was on a goal 
uh, at uh, in injury time. So uh, a bit of a, a bad finish there. And uh, the last game in, in Asian qualifying uh, usually throws up some some interesting results. Okay, well, sorry about the confusion there, Connor. Yeah, no, I did that in reverse order. Um, but I'll now talk about qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. Um, so they were not one of the bottom-ranked 12 teams required to play in the preliminary round. Um, and then they put in a consistent enough uh, performance to finish first in the round uh, two of three group, uh, losing to Iraq and Bahrain away, but otherwise winning all games, uh, Hong Kong and Cambodia uh, rounding out the group. Um, should mention that Iraq beat visitors Iran on a goal in the 92nd minute, which was perhaps aided by a red card to Iran in the 81st minute. But uh, Iran and Iraq, Iraq have a very natural rivalry, which uh, plays out on the football pitch. That's right. And this qualification actually uh, took place uh, over the COVID period. So uh, a the Asian, Asian Federation was uh, kind of making a desperate attempt to finish uh, in in time to, to fit in the final round. So all of the matches, um, uh, I don't think all of them, but I think maybe the last uh, six or so uh, were completed through a makeup tournament. Uh, and generally that makeup tournament was uh, in the part one country, although in this case it was in Bahrain. And um, yeah, so kind of an interesting, uh, uh, well, it, it kind of does explain Bahrain beating them which is probably um, to Bahrain's advantage there. Yeah. It's all academic, really, in that Iran, you know, was through to the next round. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, this also qualifies them for the for the 2023 Asian Cup, which um, we may be doing a podcast on uh, early in the new year next year. Yeah, but carrying on, um, in the final round, which was, again, a 16 group, uh, they were bested by South Korea, um, but those were the only drop points, and their consistency saw them finish first in the qualifying group, uh, South Korea giving up the lead with a final game loss to UAE. Um, so Iran win the group, but the top two advance to the World Cup, um, so Iran just gets the breaking rights there. Yeah, I was a bit upset about that because South Korea beat Iran in the second last game to move into first place. And then uh, they drop points to UAE. So once again, Iran comes out uh, on top. But uh, uh, that's a, uh, you know pretty promising because South Korea is a pretty decent team and they seem to consistently beat them in qualifying. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's move on to um, the overview of the regional cup, the Asian Cup. And... Uh, that was last played in 2019, but uh, it began in 1956. Uh, Iran struggled in the early Asian Cup. In fact, they didn't participate in 1956, and they failed to qualify in 1960, and then they withdrew in 1964, as we saw. Uh, but since 1968, they've reached every cup, and only once in 1992 did they fail to pass the group stage. And in fact, they've kind of they ruled the Asian Cup from 1968 to 76 with three wins in a row, three title wins in a row. Uh, however, they've not reached a final since 1976, despite taking third place regularly. Uh, from 2007 to 2015, they were stopped at the quarterfinal stage three times in a row. 
So let's see if they did any better in 2019. So 2018 World Cup qualifying made up the first two rounds of qualification. So um, that put them through to this tournament. Um, one of the favorites for the tournament um, were Iran, and in fact, increasingly so as it progressed. They finished first in the group stage, easily beating uh, Yemen and Vietnam, then beating Iraq in a rivalry-laden game that actually meant little since both had advanced. You mean uh, tying Iraq? That's right. Um, but it still saw them in first place. They beat Oman and China, uh, maintaining clean sheets throughout, but lost heavily to Japan 3-0 in the semifinals. So once again, the semifinals proving a ceiling for them. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. So yeah, they, they really looked like they were going to uh, go all the way there until that poor game against Japan. Uh, that is a bit uh, out of date now in 2019. So let's see how they've done uh, in recent games. Um, you mentioned struggle to arrange friendly. They actually had a friendly organized in Canada, um, but the game was postponed um, late, um, kind of for political reasons. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, but they have arranged one friendly. That was a 2-1 a or 1-2 home loss to Algeria. Um, but they haven't played uh, since, so not a lot of recent games to go off for Iran. Yeah, I'm just going to check here whether they have uh, arranged any more, but I don't think they have. Uh, teams are kind of, even as we speak, uh, still arranging a couple of friendlies, just um, uh, their, their kind of pre-World Cup friendlies. But we said in 2018 that Iran uh, was having trouble getting anyone to play them. And uh, I see here that they have arranged a friendly with uh, Uruguay uh, in September now. Oh, no, that's already uh, in our graphics. But, yeah, that's the only one uh, that they have. Right. Uh, so maybe they'll, they'll, uh, maybe they'll get a couple of games in there uh, in the build-up. But um, let's take a look at their World Cup schedule. So they begin with probably the most difficult game first. They play England. And then after that, they play Wales and end with the United States. All right. Sounds good. Let's move on to our fourth team then. Uh, Wales. We're going to look at Wales. Their first international game was in 1876. So uh, because uh, they, they formed a team pretty quickly after uh, England invented the game. Uh, and, and we'll take a look at their participation and achievements. So Wales... Uh, played their first international game in 1876, making them the third oldest soccer country behind England and Scotland. They were part of the British home nations that withdrew uh, from FIFA in 1928, and they were thus not involved in any of the pre-war World Cups, uh, just like England. Uh, that group uh, rejoined FIFA in 1946, and Wales first entered the World Cup in 1950, and the Euro Cup in its second edition in 1964. And they participated consistently in both Cups since. You lived in Wales, Connor. I did. I spent a year there. Um, that was um, in the Gary Speed day, so just kind of as they were beginning their ascendancy. Um, but in terms of achievements, before recent times, they reached only one World Cup. That was in 1958. Uh, and they made good of it, reaching the quarterfinals. Uh, they came close again in 1966 when the Cup was hosted by England, um, but really not otherwise. 
Um, in the Euro Cup, they never reached the finals until 2016, though they've come close more often. Uh, they reached final playoffs in 1976 and 2004 and finished second in their qualifying groups in 1984 and 92. So their qualification in 2016 was long in coming, um, and they made the best of it reaching the semifinals. Um, interestingly, Wales have never been knocked out at a group stage in a major tournament. Yeah, they certainly make the best of it when they get there, don't they? Absolutely. All right, well, let's turn our attention to their World Cup history, beginning with an overview. So their single appearance in the World Cup finals was actually by a strange stroke of luck involving everyone refusing to play Israel. Uh, they accepted and they won to reach the 1958 uh, World Cup, which we'll cover in more detail below. Uh, they also came close to uh, qualifying in 1962 and closer still in 1966. But from that time, they have steadily slipped to third and then fourth and then fifth place finishes in 2006 and 2014. Of course, they uh, did better uh, since, which we will talk about. In terms of our deep dive into the World Cup finals, uh, in, until 2022, they had reached uh, only the one cup in 1958. Uh, there they tied all games with Hungary, Mexico and Sweden. That was an inconsistent performance given that Hungary were regarded uh, as the strongest team in the world. By far, only a few years earlier, they were kind of coming out of it uh, by 1958 because of the um, Soviet invasion in 1956. But anyway, uh, they did well to tie Hungary, who were still quite strong, and uh, but didn't do well to uh, tie Mexico, who had never earned a point in their previous nine games of World Cup play. So they finished uh, tied in the group with Hungary uh, on points, and Hungary's superior goal difference was not a tie-breaking criterion of the time, uh, so rather a special playoff game was the tiebreaker and they came back from a goal down at the half to win 2 nothing over Hungary. Uh, that brought them to the quarterfinals where a young Pele scored the only goal of the game to knock them out. I wonder whatever happened to him. Yeah, I don't know why I mentioned him. It just I thought it was an interesting name. All right, well, you're going to take us through their 2018 uh, World Cup qualifying campaign. Yeah, so they uh, entered qualifying as a top-seeded team, um, which is really a mistake in the FIFA seeding system. Um, and it proved so as, as the group proved competitive among the top four teams, which included themselves, Serbia, Ireland, and then to a lesser extent, Austria, who they bested. Uh, five draws in a row, including a tie at home to Georgia, caught up with them at the end when they suffered their single loss, um, a home loss to Ireland. Um, Ireland then replaced them for second place um, into the uh, advancing playoff position. So uh, third out of six, despite being the pot one team, but as we said, that's not really reflective um, of their actual yeah. strength. Yeah, they had come off a good uh, Euro Cup, but uh, certainly can't be considered a top European team. That's uh, ridiculous, really. Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll move yeah. on to 2022 qualifying. Um, so a tie at home uh, to Estonia was the only lapse in qualifying, um, though they were bested by a strong Belgium team. 
Um, however, a tie in their last game with them gave them enough to finish in second place ahead of Czech Republic, uh, who they bested. Um, that sent them into the regional playoffs where they beat first Austria and then Ukraine uh, to reach the World Cup. Right, and that game was quite recently in uh, in June where Ukraine scored an own goal, right? That's right, yeah, Wales winning one nothing. All right, uh, okay, so let's take a look at their regional uh, competition history. So the regional cup overview. Uh, despite never qualifying for the Euro Cup until 2016, when it was expanded to 24 teams, uh, they four times were just one step away. They reached the final playoffs in 1976 and 2004, and they finished second in their qualifying group in 1984 and 1992. So their qualification in 2016 was a long time in coming. And uh, just as in the 1958 World Cup, they made the best of it, uh, this time reaching the semifinals. Um, they have never, therefore, been knocked out at a, group at a group stage, either in the World Cup or in the Euro Cup. That's kind of an interesting little uh, data point, hey, Connor? Yeah, and um, of course, that continued in their most recent tournament, was, which was the Euro Cup 2020. Um, in terms of qualifying, they were bested by Croatia and finished behind them, um, but second in the qualifying group was enough for an automatic place in the finals. Um, in the tournament, Wales tied Switzerland and beat Turkey uh, before losing to eventual champions Italy to finish second uh, in the group stage. Um, Wales and Switzerland actually finished tied on head-to-head -head points and goal difference, um, so the matter was decided on overall goal difference, uh, which put Wales ahead. Um, and then in the round of 16 match, uh, they were beaten heavily by the impressive Denmark 4-0. Uh, right. Uh, so there we go. Once again, never knocked out in a group stage. Okay. Well, uh, they have played a few games since um, uh, um, in the UEFA Nations League. Uh, where they're in League A, so in the top league there. Uh, they also had those two uh, World Cup qualifying playoffs, which you said uh, were, were kind of delayed. Um, yeah. uh, but uh, do you want to take us through especially their uh, Nations League games? Yeah, so they were promoted to Group A, so they're, they're in kind of tough uh, in a group with Poland, uh, Netherlands, and Belgium. Um, they lost away in Poland, um, then lost at home to Netherlands. They managed to tie Belgium 1-1. They actually historically do very well against Belgium. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, um, but they lost to the Netherlands 3-2, uh, so they sit with just a point from four games so far. Yeah, I think the Ligue A uh, air is a bit thin for them uh, up there. They, they're doing well to be there, but a bit out of their league, eh? Yeah. Um... Yeah, we'll mention their schedule. Um, yeah, uh, I, sorry, I forgot to write if they have any friendlies. So while you're talking about the schedules, I'll take a quick look. Sure. Well, um, Wales will start their World Cup off with a match against the United States. They play Iran second, and then they finish with England. That's right. And actually, just those two Nations League games uh, to finish out that, uh, that thing is, is the only thing they've got scheduled at the moment.
Okay, well, uh, let's move on to part three. That ends the kind of the history section of the game. And we're going to start actually with uh, just an overview uh, of the uh, kind of a summary and then um, a comment on their recent form coming into this cup. So uh, we'll begin with uh, England. And uh, I'll do the summary, and Connor will speak to their recent form. So uh, here we go. England's uh, football history has more disappointment than glory. Their only true glory is the 1966 World Cup, and even that was marred by a, a questionable goal. But uh, even that, uh, even if that doesn't constitute a strong period, or sorry, I should say that doesn't constitute a strong period. And they don't have one to speak of since their biggest successes are surrounded by flat or poor results. Third place in the 1968 Euro Cup, for example, is surrounded by a non-qualification in 1964 and in 1972. And then their 1966, sorry, 1996 uh, semi-final finish in the Euro Cup became... Um, uh, were, were, took place before a group stage exit uh, in the previous cup and was followed by the same in 2000. Uh, this, um, this second place in, in their recent cup um, may, may turn out to be a strong period for them. But really, uh, England's psychological state has been more defining than their record. Uh, for much of their history, it's been kind of an unjustified self-superiority though mixed uncomfortably with their hand-wringing anxiety. Uh, they declared themselves the best team in the early years, but did not take part in the cup. Uh, when they did, they were taken down a peg by teams like the USA or Hungary, uh, or USA and Hungary, or performed poorly in cups. Their high expectations have delivered some results at the game level, or especially in recent qualifying campaigns where they're imperious. But um, those expectations have often been a barrier to them, leaving them stifled on the field and unable to perform to their potential, uh, most evidently from 2010 to 2016. Uh, they, steam, they seem stunned, for example, by USA's goal in 2010, which left them unable to recover from their keeper's mistake. And it was similar when Iceland took a lead against them in 2016. How about their recent form, Connor? Yeah, well, good showings in 2018 and 2020 uh, may be putting this defining form behind them, at least the deer-in-the-headlights form that has led to many drab performances over the past 20 years at least. Uh, the self-superiority self seems to survive all contrary evidence uh, and was acknowledged as a problem by their own FA uh, in the need for greater humility uh, when their suggested hashtag for a World Cup bid, uh, football's coming home, uh, was rejected. Uh, the recent qualification runs do support this confidence, but the pressure uh, it comes with still acts as a barrier, as arguably it did in the 2020 Euro final shootout. All right, moving on to USA, which is a, a bit shorter here. So uh, in summary, USA is known for their grit, that was certainly evident in the early years, especially in their tenacious clinging to a one nothing win over England in the 1950 World Cup. 
They all but disappeared from the soccer scene after that, but they came roaring back in around 1990 to rival Mexico as the top team in their region. They also battled their way into respectability at the World Cup, looking feeble in a couple of campaigns in the 1990s, but passing the group stage three out of four times from 2004 to 2014. The USA have suffered a decline in recent years. Uh, their failure to qualify for the 2018 World Cup might be seen as errant, except they were unconvincing in 2022, also with a particularly poor road record. The 2019-2021 Gold Cup wins do, uh, do argue their strength in the region, but the tournaments are hosted at home where they are strong, so it leaves a bit of doubt how they will perform in World Cups outside of America, although that's not a worry for them in 2026. Uh, in the USA's favor, they are a determined and resilient team with plenty of talent, uh, even if that choice of riches sometimes confuses the matter for them. Um, really, one can't help believe that they will uh, bounce back uh, from their recent disappointments. Right, and I think we made a mistake there. We said they won the Gold Cup in 2019, but it was actually second place, uh, right. second place there. All right, let's move on to uh, a summary of Iran. So their three Asian Cups in a row from 1968 to 1976 saw them kings of Asia, even if they didn't reflect that in World Cup play with only one qualification in 1978. They remained among the top teams with top four finishes in the 1980s and sometimes in the decade after. From the turn of the millennium in particular, they have been a rung below the top teams in the region, finishing in the quarterfinals of the Asian Cup and finish any, finishing anywhere from second to fourth in their final World Cup qualifying groups, even when they did qualify. They seem more like a top Asian team in World Cup qualifying, winning their group over South Korea three times in a row from 2014. But unlike Japan and South Korea, they have not passed the group stage of a World Cup. Iran seemed to creep ever closer to passing a World Cup group stage, uh, once, once vulnerable to, to second-tier teams like China and Syria. Their consistency in qualification has improved, allowing them to once again finish ahead of South Korea in 2022 qualifying, despite being bested by them. Also, reaching the semi-final stage of the Asian Cup for the first time since, 20, since 2004 does now seem to put them among the top Asian teams again uh, in recent years. All right, a bit of improvement, uh, it seems, with uh, Iran, and we will move on to Wales. Uh, finally, uh, the few times they have been successful, uh, Wales has been very successful. Uh, interestingly, they've never been knocked out in a group stage in either the World Cup or Euro Cup uh, play. Uh, their only World Cup in 1958 saw them reaching the quarterfinals, and their only uh, Euro Cup in 2016 saw them reaching the semifinals. Correction on that, they uh, reached the round of 16 in, in 2020 also. Uh, that should not over the overshadow the fact that they don't reach the Cup most of the time. And in the case of the World Cup, uh, they have very rarely even come close. Uh, Wales's recent form, then, is the best period in their history. It is largely due to two great players in Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey, as well as a traditionally solid defence that has found more consistency than in the past. Uh, the supporting cast, though, should not be overlooked. 
um, but is made up of mostly second-tier players, although it's arguably stronger in 2022 than it was in 2016. Having said that, they did well to reach Group A in the UEFA Nations League in 2020-21, to but it's proved too rich for them, and uh, even though it's still in progress, they are already demoted back to League B. What will become of Wales after their Starge age out is a matter of speculation. However, they are currently making the best of them. All right. Uh, do you agree with those summaries? I felt we were a little hard on England there, do you think? I, I think with England, you have to take the long view. Um, you know, they've had some good recent results, but like you said, their, their only true glory was in 1966. That was a long time ago. Um, a lot of other teams have come and gone and won Euros and won World Cups, and smaller teams like Denmark have won the Euros in Greece, and England still haven't. So, um, you know, I think taking the long view, I, I think it's fair to say that they, they consider themselves a bigger team than perhaps they are. Yeah, I mean, it is a, a really odd mix of kind of um, overconfidence or uh, self-superiority, as we said, and then this, this kind of anxious side uh, anxious side to them. I'm not really sure how to balance those two things. Yeah, and obviously the Premier League is strong, but there's obviously a lot of foreign players there as well, so you can't always just equate the strength of their domestic league with the strength of the national team. Right, well said. Well, we're already launching into our discussion a little bit, but we are going to cover the rankings uh, of each team. Do you want to handle that? Yeah, so England, the pot one team, were fifth in the FIFA rankings, um, and are, sorry, are fifth in the FIFA rankings, and twelfth uh, in ELO. Um, anything you want to mention about England there? No, not really. They've kind of always been in the top ten. In, in June 2015, they dropped down to 15th, in FIFA rankings, but at that time they were eighth in the ELO rankings. So, uh, yeah, they've dipped a bit below 10, but it, it's kind of a moot point. Yeah. Uh, the USA are currently 14th in FIFA and 24th in ELO. Um, any comments there? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, they've uh, been up and down more than England, uh, kind of ranging between, uh, I would say, around 35 uh, in both ranking systems. Um, I personally don't think that the, uh, the FIFA is right here. I don't think USA is 14th, and I think 24th is closer to the truth. How about you? Yeah, I, I agree, but um, again, we'll, we'll get into that, I guess, in our discussion. Yeah. Um, looking at Iran, they're very similar in both ranking systems. They're 23rd in FIFA and 25th in ELO, so just one spot back of the United States, which is interesting. Yeah, they were, uh, um, as we said, they had kind of some weak points. So they were uh, 51st in, in FIFA in December 2014 and 42nd in ELO. And even below those two numbers in uh, December 2009. But then way back in 2005, they were uh, 17th in both. So um, kind of coming and going. But I think we said uh, they've become more consistent uh, in recent years. So um, those rankings look right to me. Yeah, and then Wales, they're 19th in FIFA. Um, so actually uh, ahead of Iran, even though Wales are the pot four team. And they're 23rd in the ELO ranking. So actually ahead of both USA and Iran in the ELO rankings. So those three teams are 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Wow. So some uh, perhaps some indication of a tight group. 
yeah, we tend to trust uh, we tend to trust uh, the ELO rankings a bit more. Uh, if we've talked about USA and Iran being up and down, Wales was uh, 114th in FIFA rankings in uh, June 2011. That was uh, just 78th, which is low enough in ELO rankings, and uh, they've kind of uh, crept up uh, since then. I know you were handing the mic over to me for. Um, uh, kind of a historical perspective, but uh, I couldn't help getting into into my opinions on that. All good. Well, we'll discuss now the, the head-to-heads. Okay. Um, so this is where teams have met in, in competitive matches. So um, England versus USA. Uh, the USA has a better record. Um, England has no wins and one tie and one loss. Well, you got to think that's a bit aggravating for England, but uh, that's uh, that's the case. They've only met the two times. We talked a lot about the 1950 World Cup uh, win by the USA, and then in 2010, uh, they seemed to get nervy uh, after USA scored, and it ended a 1-1 tie. So interesting to see uh, how it'll turn out in this cup, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, history on the side of the USA, surprisingly. Uh-huh. Um, England and Iran have never met, so there's nothing to speak of there. Um, England and Wales have met um, 11 times um, in competitive matches, so that's World Cups, Euros, or qualifying. Um, and England have 10 wins, and there's just one tie um, for Wales, England undefeated. Right, so they don't seem to, uh, you know... Um get disrupted the way Belgium does when Belgium plays Wales. And even in recent times, 2012, uh, England won twice. And 2016, in that Euro Cup where Wales did well, England still won. So uh, they don't seem rattled by Wales. That's right. Um, We've mentioned USA versus England already. Um, USA versus um, Iran um, favors Iran. Uh, one win for Iran in, in their one competitive meeting. That's right. Yeah, Iran only has two World Cup wins, and this was the first of them in 1998. It kind of uh, adds a, a bit of an interesting twist to this World Cup. Yeah, and then uh, the USA have never met Wales, um, and Wales have never met Iran either. Right. Okay. So uh, some interesting, <laughs> some interesting turns there, especially uh, USA's winning record over England. And, um, of course, the one meeting between Iran and USA doesn't mean much, but it adds a bit of spice. Adds a bit of spice. Okay, we're going to move on to odds, and we will take a look at the odds of uh, the teams to advance from the group. And I've compiled these odds by looking at, I think, three or four websites and just compiling the odds. So we're not really uh, talking about gambling here. We're talking really about how odds makers are looking at this team. And we're going to talk about whether we ultimately agree with the chances they give. Do you want to take us through, uh, Connor? Yeah, so England are given a 95% uh, chance or likelihood to advance from this group. Uh, USA and Iran, fascinatingly, are identical um, on average at 47.2% to advance. And Wales, um, by the odds makers, are the outsiders. Um, at just uh, a 19.4% chance to advance. Yeah, well, it's an interesting contrast here, Connor, because I also uh, I also compiled odds 
uh, on which team would win the group. I didn't think they were interesting as these ones to advance. But um, uh, in that one, uh, uh, the USA is given a 15% chance of winning, Wales a 14% chance, and Iran a 5% chance. Those numbers don't mean much in themselves, but uh, relatively speaking, um, it's so different than, than what's presented here. Uh, I think I think the takeaway from that is that uh, there's a lot of confusion about these bottom three teams and uh, how they're going to place out. All right. Well, let's cut through that confusion um, with our uh, discussion and predictions. All right. Well, I think uh, it looks like England's going to going to win the group, and almost uh, I agree with the odds. It's very unlikely that they wouldn't advance. I think England's England's biggest obstacle uh, is their own nerves, which they seem to be overcoming uh, overcoming in the last few years. But I wonder if that penalty shootout will will throw them back into it, or perhaps their history uh, with the USA will throw them back into it uh, uh, too. How about you? Yeah, I, I think England seem to have sorted out some of the uh, kind of the, the mentality issues that has been their problem. So. Um, I see them, yeah, very likely advancing and, and most likely in first place too. I, I think we're seeing in England over the last few years that on the whole has been fairly consistent and that consistency should be good enough to, to see them win this group. True, I mean, but I don't think you can apply their consistency in qualifying to their consistency in tournaments. I mean, sometimes they, they seem to freeze on the pitch uh, like against Iceland and... and uh, I find them quite dull to watch because of that. I mean, you look at them playing in the league in England and you don't see, uh, you often don't see their talent really coming to fruition because they just seem nervous as hell. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a different England. I think it's, it's you know, I think, um, you know, a slightly younger team, a slightly different mentality, a younger manager. Um, you know, I think those have been issues of the past, but on the whole, I expect England to to put them right. Um, as really they've been doing in recent tournaments. Yeah, I, I still think the issue for them is really overcoming themselves. I mean, they're a lot stronger than each of these teams by every objective measure. Uh, I think I think we put it well when we said that the main thing in their way is uh, is their own psychology. Yeah. How, uh, how do you see the um, the other three teams, USA? Iran, Wales. Obviously, Elo puts them almost identical. Um, the odds makers seem to have a bit of confusion. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I, I expressed an opinion when you showed the rankings. I think 14th in the FIFA rankings is uh, outrageous. Uh, and I agree with the, the uh, ELO rankings that, that they're all really close together. I really have a difficult time uh, uh you know they they're all from different regions and um it's hard to tell like how how strong the concacaf region is in relation to the to the asian region uh do you have any opinions on that i mean i you you would say that uefa is the toughest region so wales have come through that and have done well to be one of 13 european teams when you look at some of the teams like you know italy that that have missed out um sweden you know some other other strong teams. So I think, um, you know, Wales have done well. I think, um, you know, USA and Iran are teams that we would expect to qualify. 
Um, USA did, but not really in any all that convincing matter. And and Iran, I mean, they've kind of established themselves as one of the top Asian teams. So I think it's not a given, but um, you know they should expect to qualify. So I think for Wales, just being here, it's a, it's a bigger achievement for them um, than than USA or Iran. Uh, are you saying that you uh, kind of agree with them being uh, lower than USA and Iran in these odds and in the FIFA rankings? I, I don't. I, I, I tend to look towards ELO as we often do. I think they're all fairly competitive. Um, what I would say, though, is that I, I think, you know, obviously Wales being a pot four team that's not really a pot four team um, kind of makes, makes the, um, the rankings less clear. Having watched a fair bit of the USA in gold cups and um, and in qualifying, I have to say I'm not convinced by the USA or by their coach, um, Greg Berthaller, who doesn't, I don't think really knows what his best team is. So I, I think the USA are a bit inflated. I think Iran have done well in World Cup qualifying, but haven't proven in the Asian Cup that they're kind of an elite team in the region there. Uh -huh, yeah. um, and, I, and I think Wales are really... Um, a confident team, a together team. Um, you know, they have a player like Gareth Bale that can win a game, but that's built on top of a real defensive um, solidity. So, um, you know, I, I disagree with the odd makers. I'd probably favor Wales out of the out of those three teams. Right. I was just clarifying, but uh, you said a couple of things that I want to address. Like, um, yeah, in terms of uh, regionalism, um, uh, Wales, Wales coming out of Europe uh, is, a, is a much bigger achievement than USA uh, winning CONCACAF and Iran uh, winning Asia. You know, I think uh, I, to, I totally disagree with these odds to advance Wales at 20% and USA and Iran at 47%. Uh, I would put them all even. Uh, I'm actually getting back to another point you made. Like, I might actually put USA a bit lower I mean, they uh, they do have uh, the grit, and sometimes they find that grit, even though they uh, may not look like they're coming into the tournament with it. They may find it in the tournament. But I got to agree with you about the manager. Like, they brought a B team to the Gold Cup in 2021, and uh, most other teams like Canada were were preparing their team for the 2020 two World Cup qualification, the final round there. Uh, America, all through that qualification, seemed completely confused. Uh, I talked a little bit about when you talked about the population of the US and they have so many players to choose from. That qualification is a process of honing that players down to a squad to meet this World Cup. And I don't think they've done that at all. We pointed out that Jesus Ferreira uh, scored four of their goals in, in a recent game. And I haven't even heard of that guy before. I know I, I have heard of him. He's, he's in and around, but he wasn't one of their forwards. In terms of forwards, they, they were uh, toying with uh, Pepe, who looked like he was going to be their forward for a while. And uh, um, you name it, like Jordan Morrison. Um, yeah, Zardes. Yeah, and they, they seem to have come to no conclusions, especially uh, especially on the forward line. Do you agree? Like, that would be a real concern for me uh, as an American fan. 
Yeah, I mean, USA undoubtedly have some great players playing in big leagues like Serginho Dest and, and Kristen Pulisic. But, yeah, you don't see that team very often. Um, you see a lot of tinkering and a lot of experimentation. And I don't think, you know, that's great for going into a World Cup. And I think you can compare them to a Welsh team that's been very consistent and has had a core group of players really since that 2016 Euros. A lot of the guys are still there. They know who their best 11 is. You know, and, and have some new players coming in. So I think it's, you know, that alone makes me favor Wales going into a tournament like this. Yeah, and it actually adds a little bit uh, to Iran too, because I think uh, I think they're closer to the Wales end of things, uh, as opposed to the England and USA uh, end of things, where they have so many players to choose from. England has done uh, better than USA at honing that mm -hmm. uh, into a squad, but. Um, there's something to be said for that uh, maybe second-tier teamsmanship that Iran and Wales have, but they know how to play together. And I, and I think it's easy to write off Iran kind of as an unknown, but like, let's not forget in the last World Cup, you know, they beat Morocco, they tied Portugal, and were very unlucky to lose to Spain. They collected four points from a very difficult group and nearly advanced so, you know, they were kind of a, a dark horse team then, and they, they could be again here. Um, yeah, I'm actually surprised at the odds before us, uh, uh, the odds to advance, where they're rated the same as the USA, because I thought most people would think uh, uh, the other odds I mentioned about winning the group, where USA and Wales are kind of even, and Iran is way back um, with just a 5% chance. And, and uh, I... I Think where I think Iran is totally going to be overlooked. Maybe that'll be something in their favor. But as you say, anyone who knows their soccer uh, knows that Iran came very close in 2018 to overthrowing either Portugal or Spain. They were kind of unlucky, and mm. um, the, and this is an easier group in in a sense for them to get through. So um, I give them even odds. Uh, to USA and to Wales, I, I really, even after our discussion, uh, don't know what to what to decide. Well, and, and we mentioned order of games, and this this could actually work in Wales's favor because they play England last. Um, you know, if England beat USA and beat Iran, and that's a big if. You know, they may be able to rest players for that final game against Wales, which could give Wales perhaps an advantage. And we know Wales will be up for the game against England. Yeah, do you think uh, uh, England would actually help Wales to uh, get through? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think you ask a Welsh fan if they would help England, the answer is absolutely not. <laughs> and, and I don't think there's a lot of love the other way. Yeah, but on the other hand, like strategically, they, they I think diff, diff, England would definitely feel the B team if they won those first two games. Oh, for sure. And that's uh, which and would that's be just, an advantage to Wales. Yeah, and that's in their own self interest to, to rest some players and get a look at some other players. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, Connor, uh, I've been very decisive, I, I believe, but I feel that you're really beating around the bush here. So, so lay it on me, Connor. How is this group going to turn out? Well, perhaps my bias comes through um, a little bit. Um, I'm going to say England first. I, I, I'm pretty confident about that. I am going to say Wales second. But, but I think it's because Wales do well in tournaments and they have 
you know, perhaps the best player in the group in, in Gareth Bale, um, or maybe that's a bold statement, but I, I think Wales are, are capable of it. Um, I think the USA are overrated. They're a good team and a, an often a likable team, but I don't think this is the strongest USA t- team we've seen recently. And then I think Iran are, are very capable and I think we'll make get close and be competitive. Um, so I'm going to go England, Wales, and I'm going to go Iran ahead of the United States. They'll possibly tie it on points. All right. Well, it comes down to uh, my prediction. And I got to say, in, in writing it up, I also said England, uh, Wales, Iran, and USA. Uh, I'm actually um, tempted to say Iran in second, but may, maybe that's just to be uh, contrarian. Uh, I don't think England is, is guaranteed as much as a lot of people will think. Uh, and I think their nerves might get to them. I think that's the only thing that can undermine them. Uh, but even with that, I think they'll at least pass. And um, the other three for me is really a roll of the dice. But uh, we talked about Wales having the third game. And I think that might give them a slight advantage, especially if England uh, uh, isn't upset by by uh, their nerves. Uh, USA's form in qualifying. I don't know whether we would view the World Cup as away games, but, uh, you know, if, if it's an away game, if, if that's what it is for the USA, uh, I would put them last because they're so weak on the road. However, uh, they do sometimes find the grit, which is what I like uh, about the American team. And then I think Iran is completely overlooked and will be much more competitive in this cup uh, than people will give them credit for. So um, I'm going to change my original thing and go England, Iran, Wales, USA. Interesting. Does the uh, does the World Cup being played in Asia factor into your thinking? Oh, man, we definitely should have mentioned that. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, we, we know culturally that they're, they're you know, not like the Arab countries and stuff, but they've been playing there. They've been playing against Qatar and, uh, you know, Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. So they'll definitely have an advantage in terms of the the, the terrain, you know, and uh, in terms of the weather, whereas the others might struggle with it. I Yes, that that's why. <laughs> I'm going to change. I'm going to um, rewrite history and say that's why I think they're going to be second. But no, I do. I think it's a big factor. How about you? Yeah, I, I think it will help them. And, and it's factored a little bit into my thinking of why I put them ahead of the USA, also considering the USA's poor form. But I, I think they're going to come up just short and, and put Wales second. Yeah, it's funny because I, I have a bit of a bias towards... Uh, Asian teams, I always want to see kind of the weaker regions or the historically weaker regions do well at the Cup. Uh, I should have a bias towards Wales, and I'll be pulling for them to finish second, and and I think it's quite possible uh, to... uh, Really, my overall conclusion is I really think it's a toss-up between the the three teams, uh, Iran, USA, and Wales. Well, I agree, so I think that's a good point to end with. All right. Well, that brings us to the uh, end of the podcast. And thanks for listening. Yeah. uh, Those who are unfamiliar with our podcast might want to keep listening for some information um, on some of our previous uh, series. But if you're turning off now, goodbye. And we'll hope you'll tune in to our next in the series.
Okay, uh, further listening. We've done nine different series of podcasts if you're interested in a deeper dive. Uh, some of the information may be dated, but some of the histories focus on different aspects of the team histories. So it can help you to get to know teams more intimately. Yes, as mentioned, this is our 10th series and we have done at least one series on every region except Oceania. We have files for that region too and we'll do one down the road so as not to leave them out. But let's go region by region. Uh, right, so Europe, our first series was a group by group podcast on the teams of Euro 2020. Uh, that was played in the summer of 2021. And uh, for South America, we also did a group by group podcast on the teams in Copa America 2021. For North America, we have done three series on CONCACAF. The first was a group by group podcast on the teams in the 2021 Gold Cup. That included a look at Qatar. The second was a preview of the eight teams in the final round of World Cup CONCACAF qualifying. That came with our first player series where we went team by team through the players. The third was an update halfway through that qualification. Yes, and for uh, Asia, we did a group by group podcast on the 12 teams in the final round of World Cup qualifying, and that included a deep dive into each team's World Cup qualifying history. We have done three series on African teams. The first was a group by group podcast on the 24 teams in the 2021 African Cup, played in early 2022. The second, done around the same time, was a team-by-team -team series on the players for each of those teams. Third and finally, we have recently concluded a series on almost all teams in Africa, a group-by-group -group examination of the 12 qualifying groups for the 2023 African Cup. This included a deep dive into their African Cup history, which is quite extensive. This provides a look into some of the lesser teams that rarely even qualify for the African Cup. Right, and we realize that not everyone is interested in the level of detail that we go into. So starting from that series, the 2023 African Cup series, uh, we're editing our media, media casts into shorter versions. Uh, generally for groups and teams, this will just be a summary, uh, a summary uh, and discussion segments of the longer podcasts. And for the player, uh, the player ones, just the sections on the squad's overall strength and a list of the uh, main players that we expect to reach the competition. So uh, that's usually two or three groups per episode. Yes, otherwise each long version of the series contains a deep dive into the matter at hand. So if it's African Cup qualification, for example, it's a deep dive into the team's history of African Cup qualification. Or if it's the World Cup qualification, a deep dive into each team's history and qualifying for the World Cup. Right, and all of those podcasts can be found in our library at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. That's soccerfiles with a PH in the middle and an S at the end. And uh, we also provide a link to our website and other relevant material in the show notes for each uh, media cast. And in general, uh, to find us, you can type Soccerfiles Canada into Google and uh, it's easy to find your way from there. Or just check out the show notes for this or any of our media casts and it'll be easy to navigate uh, from there. Okay, see you in our future media cast.